Welcome to a podcast from the Haven Church, Stapleford, Nottingham. So uh, next week is the start of the Advent season. So uh, we're going to have our last uh, little um, journey into Mark's Gospel now until after Christmas. And um, we're going to be in, today we're going to be in uh, chapter 7. So uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 31. Uh, There's some interesting uh, things to see here. And uh, to learn from this. So let me read this for you. Mark chapter 7 at verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon and the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought him to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue and looked up to heaven. He sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. That's uh, uh, quite incredible and some, some really uh, important things for us to learn from this passage. But let's just do our uh, easing into this first of all. Um, Jesus returns from the region of Tyre. He goes through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. Now, if you look at this on the map, you start to think somebody here needs a sat-nav. Because it's a, it's a, if, if his uh, objective was to get from where he was to where he is now, that's a bit of a, a, an all-over-the-place kind of a route. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there are, I don't think there's ever anything random about the way Jesus does things. There's always something of the purpose and the plan of God in there. And although the route might seem random, I'm, I'm convinced in my own heart that, that Jesus would have had purpose for going that way and, uh, and maybe had um, encounters with people along that journey. Obviously, the gospel writers can't cram everything that Jesus said and did into their Gospels. Um, But uh, uh, my assumption is here that that Jesus had a reason for going that way and for visiting those places. So he he arrives and um, uh, immediately he arrives. They bring to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment and they begged Jesus to uh, lay his hand on him. Now, um, the speech impediment is most likely a, re- a result of the deafness. So this man is not dumb, and, and it seems clear later on after he's been prayed for, when Mark records that he then spoke uh, in plain speech, that um, that there was speech before, but now the speech is plain. So I think it's reasonable to assume that the problems with the speaking were due to the fact that he was deaf. And um, you would, if you know any people who are profoundly deaf, you, you will probably recognize that uh, in them. Uh, and Jesus, of course, is going to fix all of this. But here's the first thing that I, I want us to grab a hold of. They bring him to Jesus and ask Jesus to do something about it. And... Oh, We've had this challenge before, and this challenge is not going to go away. That for us as followers of Jesus, we have an obligation. We have a duty of care to be bringing people to Jesus. Now, the first thing is, thank you, let's, yep. 
the the minimal audience, uh, which is basically the crew <laughs> in the room, are agreeing with me there. We have an obligation to bring people to Jesus. And I think that works on two levels. We need to bring to g- people to Jesus in prayer. That, uh, you know, if we, if we have friends, relatives, colleagues, you know, a- a- anybody really who we know has any kind of need, we have an obligation to be bringing them to Jesus in prayer. Uh, but the obligation that we have extends beyond that. That actually here, people are physically bringing this man who needs a touch from God, they are physically bringing him into the presence of Jesus. Now, I want to talk a a bit more about that later, but for now, let's just register the fact that actually, if we are followers of Jesus, we actually have a call on our lives to be bringing the people that we know into the presence of Jesus so that they can receive something from him, so that they can get the touch of God on their lives, so that they can hear his voice. That happens best when we are together, that happens best when we're bringing people into that environment where the presence of God can be clearly felt because the people of God are together worshipping him. So let me encourage you, you know, when we, when we get back to the point where we can have face-to-face meetings, you can, be, you can be bringing people to Jesus. You can be bringing people to church. We can make space. We, you know, when we have our in-person services, when we've had them in that space between the two lockdowns, when we've been allowed to do that, um, everything is properly spaced, everything is properly set up, and the, the whole uh, you know, system and our, our kind of process of doing things is set up to keep people safe. So you can bring people to church with confidence, okay? You, you might need to arrange to meet them here and sit separately from them, uh, but all of that is fine. The important thing is that we are getting together in the presence of God and that people who have need are being brought into that place where they can meet with God. So they bring... Uh, this uh, poor guy who, who is uh, deaf and has this speech impediment, uh, they bring him to Jesus. And um, what does Jesus do? Well, the first thing Jesus do is he separates himself from the crowd. He takes this poor guy out of this way. The, the, his friends have brought him to Jesus to, to, to see that he gets healed, see that he gets a, a solution to his problem, see that his need is met. Uh, and the first thing that Jesus does is he takes him aside, takes him to somewhere um, out of the way so that um, he can deal with this man personally. Now, what what should we read into that? What should we see there? Well, the first thing is that Jesus, in ministering to this guy, is very, uh, um, very purposeful in preserving the man's dignity. We don't know the surrounding circumstances. We don't know why this man is deaf. We don't know what's been going on. We don't know who's brought him. We're not given any of that information. But very often, you know, it's one of the things that has sometimes made me cringe in the past. When we have seen people ministering in in a very public environment and saying and doing things which actually probably should have been kept somewhere private, somewhere out of the way. And so Jesus is preserving this man's dignity for whatever reason. He's taking him into a private place where he he can talk to him privately and quietly and minister to him privately and quietly without the observations of the crowd. Now, there are times and there are situations which uh, clearly it seems to me it's good to be doing that in, the, in the, the context of a church meeting when we're all together. But equally, it's quite clear that there are times when uh, we want to minister to people and we should be doing that privately and quietly w- out of the gaze of others in order to preserve their dignity in the order that they will not be in any way embarrassed or, or feel that you know, they're being used as a as a, a, a some kind of practice session for our uh, healing ministry. 
And then we come to <laughs> quite an interesting bit here. In my own notes, I, I titled this, this morning's session, Spitting and Sighing. And uh, here we come to that bit. Uh, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking to heaven, he sighed. Now, there, there could be some symbolism there with the sticking his fingers in his ears. Um, I have no idea why Jesus does this, okay? The spitting and the sighing. Um, I, I've read what quite a few different uh, scholars have had to say uh, about this. And I, I find myself at the end of all of that, at the end of my studies, not sure at all why Jesus has done this. Um, but I, I am guessing that, that Jesus had some reason, there was some purpose in doing this. Uh, I, there are a couple of thoughts, I'll share them with you now, that, that, that kind of come out of that. But what I don't want us to do here is start making this a rule. Okay, that if you come across somebody who is deaf or, or dumb uh, or struggling with either of those things, you don't need to be sticking your fingers in their ears and you don't need to be spitting and rubbing your finger on their tongue. Okay, now listen, if the Holy Spirit clearly directs you to do that, that's fine. But we're not making this a rule. Okay, this is something that Jesus did. It's not clear to us why he did it. Okay, and so we're not making this a rule that if you come across a deaf person, you've got to stick your fingers in their ears. Yeah, you know, uh, this. Let's not go there. Okay, but um, that word "sighing" is quite interesting. It's the Greek word "stenazo," which appears six times in the New Testament, which which means I had to go to an English dictionary after reading this to give vent to querulous or censorious feelings. So I hope that helps you, and um, I'll see you next week. <laughs> To give vent to, to querulous or censorious things. So querulous means uh, complaining, okay? And censorious means to be uh, critical. Now, um, again, we are missing a little bit of context for this because we don't know quite why Jesus uh, gave out this sigh. But if, if the language that Mark is using is, is to be kind of, is to give us insight into this, it's probably, I would guess, some sense of, so born out of compassion, some sense of frustration that there are so many sick people, that there are so many people who are struggling with stuff in life. And so he lets out this sigh to heaven. And of course, uh, the Father responds by sending this healing power. But, um, you know, uh, again, this, although this is something that Jesus is doing in this situation, we don't want to make this a rule again. So I don't particularly want to see you all, if you're praying for the sick, looking to heaven and sighing, unless there is some kind of spirit-driven thing going on in you there, okay? Uh, we're not quite sure what is happening here. There's a lot of different views, a lot of different opinions. But you know, that's okay, because there are some things that we're never going to understand until we meet Jesus face to face and we can ask him. And those things we just have to kind of stick on the back burner. And if we don't really get what's happening, then, um, you know, we can ask him when we see him and let's concentrate on the things that we do understand. So Jesus says to him, Ephatha, which is the, the uh, Greek word, that, uh, the Sorry, it's not Greek, it's Aramaic, which means to be opened. And his ears are opened, and his tongue was released, and he spake, spoke plainly. Because his deafness had been cured, he was able to hear himself speak and bring uh, correction to the way that he was speaking. Um, it's interesting here. So this is an authoritative command. Jesus is not um, 
saying, uh, you know, please, Father, will you hear me? But he's actually commanding um, the ears to be opened. He's actually speaking a word of command. And again, I want us to, so I want to encourage you that if people need healing, that you pray for them. That if people have any kind of physical ailment, that you pray for them. And if you get the opportunity to pray in, in person, do that. Um, in these current circumstances, it's not a good idea to be laying hands on people. But once we're all vaccined up and we can be in, in human contact again, uh, it's good to lay a hand on somebody as you pray for them. Uh, Jesus um, here gives a command. It's not always uh, our prerogative to give that command. Now again, I want us to understand that we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit because there will undoubtedly be times when the Holy Spirit prompts us as we pray to speak out a, a command uh, of healing. Uh, but if he doesn't do that, then my, my position on this would be that we look to God and we look, we look to the Holy Spirit and we ask for a healing. We say, Lord, would you in your mercy, in your kindness, come and bring healing to this person. Um, that we're not, you know, we, we have to move in an authority that God gives us, but we don't want to over, overstretch that authority. Okay, so there is a balance to be found there. If the Holy Spirit is guiding us and he is provoking us to speak a command uh, to imitate what Jesus has done in this specific occasion, then we should do that. But I think for most occasions, unless we are not, you know, if we don't have that sense of the Spirit saying that, we should be asking uh, to God, asking God to show, you know, his mercy and his faithfulness rather than speaking out a command. Jesus speaks this in Aramaic, which uh, would have been the local language, and um, there's Jesus kind of uh, fitting in. And, um, you know, in, in the Decapolis, people would have spoken both Greek and Aramaic. So uh, I'm guessing that this guy is a, is a Jew in Aramaic, would have been his first um, language. So Jesus uses the language there. And there's, of course, then an instant healing. Um, and the wonderful um, imagery of the ears being opened. And um, this, this is something that I, I want to kind of dwell on uh, just a little bit, that um, uh, Jesus prays, the ears are opened. Now, we, wanna, we want to be thankful uh, to God for a healing. We want to be uh, uh, impressed, if you like, at, at, the, at the way God does these things and the way Jesus handles these things. We, we want to be celebrating that there is power uh, today for people to be healed. But there is something beyond that uh, there's some imagery beyond that that I think we need to uh, get a hold of. Um, now, if we want to draw from this imagery to learn something, if we want to draw from this imagery to, to get a, an example and to, and to find something that we can appropriate from our own lives, we have to go past just the physical healing here. Now, let me put this into a context for you. That... Throughout my journey uh, of following Jesus, uh, through, which, is, which has been most of my life, um, I have spoken to people about Jesus. I've shared the gospel with people. I, I've uh, read scriptures to people. I've tried to encourage people to, uh, to find Jesus. And in a lot of cases, I've, I've said something, I've shared something, and it's felt like it's fallen on deaf ears. And that's an expression we often use, isn't it? I, I, I said this to them, but I think it fell on deaf ears. I, that's been my experience with a lot of people through my life. And it, it, 
it really kind of hits me when I look at the imagery going on here, that actually it, there needs to be a work of God, there needs to be a work of the Holy Spirit for people to hear these things. There needs to be a work of the Holy Spirit for ears to be opened to receive what it is we're saying to them. And it's very important that we recognize that because, you know, short of, short of a work of the Holy Spirit, it will fall on deaf ears. And so we, when we are trying to communicate the gospel with people, when we're trying to lead people to Jesus, because we know that's the best thing that could possibly happen to them, meeting Jesus, we have to understand that people are on different stages of the journey, and that for some people that journey can happen very quickly. It can happen in, in, in minutes. They can go from cold to, you know, a roaring hot uh, in, a, in, in seconds sometimes. But for a lot of people, it's a longer journey. And I, I'm, I don't want you to, to feel inhibited in terms of sharing the gospel and saying things. I don't want that at all. But I want you to understand that sometimes people will not hear that. People will not respond to that because their ears have not yet been opened by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want us to think about, um, you know, how did you come to Jesus? If, if you, this morning, as you're watching this, if you were a follower of Jesus, if you would be somebody who considers themselves a Christian, considers themselves saved, I want you to think about how did that happen? So, uh, from my own testimony, I, I went to church from the age of four. The, my, the first memory, the first childhood memory that I have, that, that's the furthest back I can go, is of going to church at the age of four. Uh, and I remember it because um, there used to be a minibus that would pick us up uh, to go to church. And the reason that I remember it is some rather enthusiastic helper um, as I was trying to get into, as a, as a four-year-old, trying to clamber into the back of the minibus, picked me up and lifted me up and did it with such enthusiasm that he cracked my head on the top of the doorway of the minibus. I still have a dent <laughs> in, in, the, in my skull. Um, and uh, just the, the pain of that and the trauma of that, that's why I remember it. But that's my earliest memory of going to church. I went to church from the age of four. But I didn't meet Jesus until I was 17. Now, you've got to ask the question, why is that? Uh, all those years of going to church, you know, and, and being in that environment, and, and going to worship, and, and, and hearing the Bible taught and, and preached from the pulpit, uh, and mixing with, with people of faith, why did I not find Jesus until I was 17? I, I want to suggest it's because spiritually, my ears and my mind were closed. That actually, although I, was, uh, I enjoyed that fellowship, though I enjoyed being part of that family, um, I, I uh, sometimes found the services a bit dull because I, I didn't quite connect with what was going on. Um, but I certainly enjoyed being around the people and being a part of that family. And, and um, I would, if you'd have asked me, I would have called myself a Christian. But I didn't meet Jesus until I was 17. I think my, my eyes were closed, my ears were stopped up, uh, my spirit was dull. Um, you know, had not really come to life, uh, and I needed, I needed a work of the Holy Spirit in my life to come to the place where I could know Jesus. I needed a work of the Holy Spirit to unblock my ears and open my eyes so that I could have revelation of who Jesus is, so that I could hear the words that people were saying to me, the, the words that were being taught, and so that my spirit could come to life and I could receive the Holy Spirit into my life and come to that place where understanding who Jesus is, I could give 
my life to him and follow him with confidence. And that all happened for me at the age of 17. Now, I know that, that many of us have friends, uh, relatives, work colleagues, uh, you know, um, who we uh, want to share the gospel with, who, who don't know Jesus, and we really want them to find Jesus. We really want them to come into the knowledge of him, to give their lives to him, and to follow him. And uh, that, that's, I mean, that's good and right. That is the Holy Spirit working us. That, that is one of the things that happens when we are born again, when the, when the Holy Spirit causes us to be born again, when we give our lives to Jesus. One of the things that should take root in us is a desire to see the gospel spread, is a desire to engage with the mission of the gospel and be leading people to Jesus so that they can share the experience that we have had. And I know that many of us try to engage with that in different ways and at different levels. And very often, coming back to that expression, it falls on deaf ears. We, we want to tell people about Jesus, but they don't really hear it. And what we mustn't do is allow that experience to put us off sharing the gospel. Because we don't know the day and the time when the Holy Spirit will open their ears to hear. We don't know the day and the time when they, the Holy Spirit will open their eyes to see. And so we must... Um, we must not be disappointed that when we share the gospel with people, that when we try to have Jesus-focused conversations with people, that, that they don't have a come-to-Jesus moment. We, we mustn't be put off by that. We must just recognize that everybody is on a journey and that there is a time and that there is a place when we will preach the gospel, we will share something with them, and their ears will be opened. There will be a revelation that will bring them to Jesus. So we must not be disappointed. We must not be put off. We must not be dissuaded okay, by the fact that we have tried to share the gospel with somebody and they didn't really receive it. We must not let ourselves be undermined by that because... People are on a journey. And, you know, when, it, when it's that person's time to come to Jesus, when it's that person's time to have their eyes opened, a lot of the things that you will have said over those years will suddenly come back to mind. They'll remember those things, and they will help and be part of the process of helping people engage with and get to know Jesus. But I, I do want us to understand that whilst we have an obligation, whilst we have a call in God to be sharing the gospel, to be having those Jesus-focused conversations, you cannot bring somebody to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Our part in that is to be sharing the gospel. Our part in that is to be sharing our testimony. And our part in that is to be doing that consistently and not be put off by the fact that as, that as far as we can measure it at least, there is no current change in that person's view or their position in terms of coming to God. But we must keep doing that, understanding that as we keep doing that, um, the Holy Spirit will work, and when that person's time has come, the Holy Spirit will give them revelation of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will open their eyes and their ears, and they will have that moment when they can come to him, and it will all make sense, and they will give their lives to him, and they will have their lives changed forever by the power of God as they are born again. And it's important that we understand that. I would like to suggest as a caveat to this that we think carefully and we are sensitive about the things that we do share. When I say share the gospel with people, what I'm talking about is that we need to be consistently talking to people about the good news of Jesus. Now, listen, there are, there are temptations for us to get into all sorts of stuff which actually is not going to help. And, and in terms of somebody finding Christ is not necessarily relevant. 
So, you know, we get obsessed. We get easily obsessed with beginnings and endings. Okay? Us, us getting obsessed about creation, you know, was creation, was, was gen, is Genesis, as we read it, is that history? Uh, did it actually happen like that? Or is it evolution? Or is it somewhere in between? You know, do, do science and faith mix all of those sorts of things? I am far from convinced that those sorts of conversations for the majority, the vast majority of people, will bring them to Jesus. Okay? I am equally convinced that conversations about eschatology, about end times, about the second coming, I'm equally convinced that those things for the vast majority of people will not help them to find Jesus. Getting lost in all of those sorts of things where actually uh, some of it is still a mystery, some of it is still very much a challenge for us in terms of interpreting and understanding that stuff. I am far from convinced that for the vast majority of people, those things will help them to find Jesus. So what do I, what do I mean about sharing the gospel with people? Well, what I mean is, you know, let's for start off, let's read the gospels. Let's get familiar with the gospels. Let's get familiar with Jesus, with his life story, with the things that he said and the things that he did and the way he dealt with people. And let's get into the book of Acts and let's see and understand how the apostles and how the first disciples followed Jesus' example to do the things that he showed them to do and showed them how to do and the things that they said, because those are the things that we should be engaging with. Those are, that, that is our example. That is our pattern for sharing our faith with other people. Our objective is not to make theologians out of them. Our objective is that they should find Jesus. So anything that we can share that helps to build a picture of who Jesus is and uh, what he says and what he does, anything that helps people to find that is a good conversation. Okay? We don't need to get lost in all of the technical stuff and the theology. We want to be presenting the person of Jesus. Because that, you know, when, if you're going to ask somebody to give their life to Jesus, they need to kind of know who this guy is. They need to kind of know what he is about. And so the challenge for us, if we're going to see deaf ears unstopped, if we're going to see blind eyes see in, in the spiritual, if we're going to see people coming to Jesus, we need to be consistently presenting Jesus and doing that sensitively and, and with love in the hope that there will come that day very soon when the Holy Spirit will open their ears and their eyes and they will come to a place of understanding because they have had a revelation of Jesus and that it will change their lives forever. And if there's one thing that I want you to take away from this account of Jesus here, it's exactly that. This passage finishes with um, the, the people looking on saying about Jesus, he has done all things well. And that is the important thing here uh, about what I'm telling you, that Jesus does all things well. That he knows the best time and place to open somebody's eyes. He knows the best way to interact with somebody, to, to engage with them. He is absolutely the best at this. And as we are guided by his spirit, we can become good at this as well. So our call and our challenge is to share the gospel. And we keep doing that, and we have to be consistent in that, whatever the response is, because it will fall on deaf ears until that moment when the Holy Spirit comes and opens blocked ears so that people can hear the word of the Lord, they can have revelation of Jesus, and they can respond to it in a way that they need to. So let me encourage you, followers of Jesus, to ad adapt and adopt to that 
lifestyle. If you're watching this morning and you don't know Jesus, or if you're watching this morning and you're not sure, you know, here's the simple thing for you. Just look to Jesus. Just pray to Him. Just speak to Him and ask Him to give Him a revelation, to give you a revelation of who He is. Ask Him to open your eyes and your ears so that you can see Him and hear Him and know who He is and start that journey with Him. And then as you do that, give your life to Him. And I promise you, He will come in and He will help you and, and life will be changed forever. I'm just going to take a moment to pray and then uh, the guys are going to come back and, and lead us in a song to close. Father, we thank you this morning that healing uh, from you is not restricted to the physical. That you do come and you do heal our bodies. That you do open blind eyes, that you do unstop deaf ears, that you do cause um, blocked mouths to, to speak, uh, that you do heal the sick in, in every uh, form, that you do heal uh, physically. And we thank you for that and we rejoice in that. But we thank you also this morning that you come to be the healer of our souls, the healer of our spirits to bring life not just to our bodies but to bring life to the inner person as well that you are the great healer uh, the healer of all things and as we stand in this moment we look to you and say Jesus will you bring healing to our lives Jesus will you as we look to you in this moment send your Holy Spirit to heal our physical infirmities to heal our diseases to heal whatever it is that ails us physically. But will you, Jesus, also send your Holy Spirit in this moment to bring healing for our souls, healing for our spirits? Will you reach into our lives and shine your light and bring your peace and bring healing to every part of our body? And our cry, Lord, to you is, will you come? And our response as you come is, we will follow you. We will be the people that you are calling us to be. We will let that image of God that resides in us begin to re resurface and to shine and to be fruitful. We will, as you fill us with your Holy Spirit, we will step out and reach out to see the healing that you have given us be spread out to, to those around us, be, be uh, Lord, given to all who we speak to and all who we have contact with. And will you help us, Holy Spirit, to have wisdom as we share the goodness of God, as we share the goodness and the power of this gospel that brings healing? Will you help us to be sensitive? but to be consistent in bringing this good news to our friends, to our relatives, to our neighbors, to the people that we meet in the street. Will you help us with that so that the light of Jesus can shine through us and so that the glory of God can be revealed to everybody in this community, to everybody in our world, in order that they may get the opportunity to see you, to hear you, and to know you, and to have their lives changed forever. Lord, we pray that you would come and do that for Jesus' sake. And I pray now that the Lord would bless you, that the Lord would keep you, that the Lord would draw close to you, that his countenance would rise upon you. In other words, that as his face looks over you, that you would feel the warmth of his presence, that you would feel the, the, his breath uh, uh, over you as he speaks blessing over you. I pray that you would know his favor. And I pray that above all things, you would know the wonderful supernatural peace that can only come from knowing Jesus. Amen. Amen.